Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Our guest today is director Sam Green. Sam Green is known for such films as A Thousand Thoughts and his Academy Award-nominated film, Weather Underground. His latest project, 32 Sounds, is an immersive, amusing, and moving journey through 32 distinctive soundscapes. In his collaboration with electronic musician J.D. Sampson, 32 Sounds samples a wide range of, I keep saying sounds, but that's what I'm going to say, inside the womb, the mating call of a now distinct bird, and the audio effect created by Foley artist and many, many other sounds. You're going to love this film. It is such, it is immersive. Guest today, director and producer, Sam Green. Sam, welcome to Film School Radio. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, as I mentioned to you before we get started, I was fortunate enough to uh, attend an event that happened about a month ago, I want to say, um, and in which I saw this in a theater. And the reason I'm bringing it up is if you have the chance to see this in a theater, people... That would be the optimal place to see it. But wherever you see it, be sure you can get a good sound, whether it's out of your speakers or your headphones. What inspired you to make 32 Sounds? It was the early pandemic, which now seems a long time ago. But I had had a lot of screenings of my most recent film, my previous film about the Kronos Quartet, all last, all the 2020, 2020, and they were all canceled. So suddenly I was at home doing nothing and I was reading a book about a composer named Pauline Oliveros, who I like a lot. And there was a mention in it of her lifelong friend, a person named Anaya Lockwood, who had recorded The Sound of Rivers for 50 years. And that just really intrigued me. I, I, I love The Sound of Rivers. And I just thought, who is this person who's recorded The Sound of Rivers for 50 years? That sounds amazing. <laughs> so I just started Googling her and learned about i'd never heard of anaya lockwood i started to listen to some of her music you know i learned that she was a composer and sort of artist from new zealand who'd been making work for about 60 years and she was still around and so i i just was very knocked out by her work and uh i just emailed her i found her website and i sent her an email saying hey could i just talk to you on skype and she said well i'm home alone you know doing nothing. So sure. How about this afternoon? You know, and so we we struck up a kind of Skype email exchange conversation and and through May and June of that year. And I really learned so much from her and was very intrigued by a lot of what she had to say and her work and made me think a lot about sound and listening. And I'd already been thinking a lot about sound and listening in cinema because of the previous movie I made about the Kronos Quartet. So I think Learning about Anaya Lockwood and being in touch with her was really the impetus to make 32 Sounds. She's such a compelling uh, person. And what makes her compelling is not only her intellectual curiosity, but it's this sort of emotional connection that you feel that comes through in her conversation with you about sound and in, in ways that are obviously very relatable, but at the same time, there's something so dedicated about her her sense of sound that it's spiritual as well. It comes across that way in the film. Um, does, that, does that sound 
right yeah, for her? That's exactly right. That those were my thoughts, and that was part of why I was so taken with her. Also, she's very sunny. She has a great energy, and just as a, I mean, this is kind of a cliche, but she's a lovely person. She really is, and she may have a a mean, angry side, but I haven't seen it, you know. <laughs> I've dealt with her a lot and she's just, she's just a real special person. And <clears throat> I also think often older artists can be cranky or have big grudges or chips on their shoulder or wounds. You know, it's, it's hard being an artist and especially hard being an artist and not having enormous success. And so I've always been really impressed that she's been making art for 60 years, been making often great art, She's not a household name, but she's uh, someone who's still very cheerful and optimistic and has a great spirit. She seems undamaged by the world, which is rare. When people as artists talk about it, it's the work that informs them. It's the work that makes them happy. But it's also the commercial realities of making a living and all the rest of it. And I can understand who people who are working at those sort of margins of popular music or, or or never see that kind of commercial success it would be easy to to sour on it yeah. but it does seem like she's connected to her work in such a way that that's the satisfaction she derives yeah yep i think that's exactly right which is which is an inspiration in a way i think yeah. for artists like myself yeah i love the soundscapes i love all the different sort of episodes that we hear and see in the film you go back to the history of recorded sound. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. It's so interesting to me because, you know, recorded sound starts with Edison in the late 1800s. And before that, it's hard for us to remember or appreciate the fact, before that, nobody had ever heard the sound of somebody who was dead. Nobody had ever heard the sound of music that wasn't being played in front of them. Those two things that are such parts of the fabric of our lives did not exist. And so it, I think it's hard for us to appreciate how radical, what a transformation of the world recording was and is. We are the fish that swim in the sea and can't you know, see what water is. So I'm, I'm intrigued by that. Yeah. I'm intrigued by that. And then from there, it goes to stereo. You know, stereo was this early invention that revolutionized how people experience movies and then binaural sound came later and that's something we use a lot and cinema is still trying to figure out how it could use and so i don't know that history of recorded sound is is pretty fascinating to me at least and in that vein as we hear in the film the the notion of hearing some from someone who had passed set off all kinds of sort of uh moral questions or spiritual questions yeah. about, about the impact it would have on people, right? Yeah, people thought it would, there's a, I quote a newspaper saying that, that, that the, the phonograph can stop death. <clears throat> the idea that somebody could be dead and we could hear their voices was just spooky. And, and there's still that, I, in the film I use those um, Ella Fitzgerald Memorex ads. Yeah. Which, when I was a kid, I saw those on TV, and Ella Fitzgerald sings and breaks a glass with her voice, and then they record it and play a tape, and it records the it breaks the glass too. And <clears throat> those struck me looking at them now. There's a kind of unease about recording that's in those ads. That that's a kind of it's wonderful, but it's also kind of spooky. There's something odd about it, uncanny. 
So listening to that, hearing that 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 part of the story, I was struck by how art has this power. And I don't think we quite re- recognize it just in a day-to-day life, the power of art. But that, and I was thinking about dance. Dance and, and sound are the two things that I think are the first arts that humans were able, <laughs> in some manner of speaking. You probably weren't going to, quote-unquote, dance unless you had some sound yeah. to accompany yeah. it, right? So to me, dance was the first communication between human beings that was nonverbal but understandable. Yeah. And sound is another one of those things that is so visceral and so fundamental to the human experience and the fact that people couldn't explain that power i'm not surprised to hear that yeah and still can't in some ways yeah that's one of the reasons i i'm sort of endlessly fascinated by sound is that it's ultimately so mysterious and it's hard to talk about it i i have joked that it's kind of like sex where it's hard to talk about in any way that's not cliche you know, sound is a mystery or sound connects us all. There's a lot of ideas about sound that are sort of like, yeah, okay, you know, sort of clunky, but to really talk about sound in a sophisticated way is not easy. We don't have the words necessarily often. And I love the part of the film where you explain the science of hearing, Mm. which I think is part of the problem, (laughs) if you will. Well, there's the way so it's much... explained in the film, it, it's, yeah. I understand why people would yeah. be mystified by how this yeah. happens, right? Yeah, it's a mysterious process in a lot of ways. Well, well, what you say in the film is sound connects us to ideas. It's yeah. it just sounds it sounds a little um, I don't know spiritual is the word. I don't know what the word is to ex- exactly otherworldly. I, I yeah. mean. I, by the way, we're speaking with Sam Green. He's the director of this uh, wonderful documentary film coming out called 32 Sounds. It's being released through Obrama Rama, and 32 Sounds will be opening in New York at the Film Forum on April 28th, so be looking for it there, and also be looking for it for a theatrical release. Be on the lookout for 32 Sounds. Over the course of the film, 32 Sounds, we plug into a lot of different opportunities to hear very different kinds of music and sound. Uh, the British Sound Library, do I have that right? Is that yeah. the British Sound Library? And I'm not going to say why we, we why we make that stop, because that is, for me, one of the most emotional, I mean, wrenching in some ways, many ways, but heartfelt parts of the film. And I don't know how much you want to talk about what we experienced during that uh, segment, but it just blows your mind to think about. It's uh, just one of many stops along the way uh, in this film. Um, the man is a Charles Babbage. Yeah, Charles Babbage. Yeah. I want to talk about him because here's one of these people that is sort of our bridge from from the old world to the new world. Yeah. Where, where is where does he? Where do we find him? He was a British sort of Renaissance person in the 1800s, early 1800s. He's a mathematician, theologian, scientist, and um, or just a big thinker. And this is when people were starting to understand what sound was and how it worked, sound waves. And he was he's famous for many things. He invented this machine that's thought of as a kind of the origins of the computer that we use today. So he's he's often thought of as the the inventor of the computer, but he thought a lot about sound and he had this idea since he understood sound was 
just vibrations, like ripples on the water, he came to the conclusion that every sound in the world should still be out there really, really faint and really, really quiet. But somehow if we had the right technology, we could retrieve all the sounds. And in a way it's logical, it, it kind of makes sense. And I know physicists say, yes, hypothetically that is possible, but in some ways it was, I think probably more of a poetic idea or a metaphor. He had, it's interesting because around the time he was coming up with these ideas about sound, he had gone through, I think three tragic losses. He'd lost his wife and his, I think his father and a child all in a year. And just somebody who was, who was heartbroken with grief. And so you can see there's an emotional power to this idea that things aren't gone that, you know, this was before they were recording and he could just listen to a recording of his wife. He was, I think, bucking up against the idea of ephemerality, that things happen and then they don't exist anymore. And he had a scientific notion that that, that wasn't true. So it's a powerful idea. I, I, I'm, I'm taken with the idea. And Marconi, the inventor of radio, also had the same idea towards the end of his life, that all the sounds in the world were out there. And if we got the right radio receiver, we could listen again to the temple sermon at the temple mount. You know, it's a, yeah. it's a kind of intoxicating idea. It is an intoxicating idea. And the idea that energy doesn't go away. Energy. Well, it's true. Yeah. It's, it's so you kind of can, if you connect those two, it, it, yeah. there's something very intriguing about that yeah. idea. Yeah. Um, and I, I hope I've conveyed this over the course of our conversation that it's, it's a, great experience. It's a fun experience to watch the film 32 Sounds because you hear great music in through the throughout the film. And then you hear challenging things. And I, I'm a big fan of, uh, I guess you call it the avant-garde, John Cage going back. Uh, Laurie Anderson is one of my heroes. And, and there's just so much in here. Philip Glass is in the film. There's so much about watching 32 Sounds that just kind of cracks the door open for a lot of people, I hope, right? Is that, is, is that what is the intention? Is that? Well, I mean, it's funny because I don't often make a movie and have a specific goal that I want, you know, to achieve with it. But with this one, I actually do, which is just to have people, and it's a modest goal, and I wouldn't, I don't trumpet this, but you asked. So it's a modest goal that people watch the film and then later that day or the next day or a week later you're walking down the street and you think to yourself wow i've never heard the birds what a great sound or you know just i think there's a way in which we go around our, we go through the world in our days and have to close our ears off a lot there's so much noise but if one can open their ears and engage with the world it's a it's a wonderful experience both as john cage pointed out all sound can be pleasurable but also I've found, and this is something I got from Anaya Lockwood, that in opening your ears and engaging with the world can bring you back to the present. So often through all of our devices, we're elsewhere, sound roots you in the present moment and also in your body. And that's almost like a meditative, you know, intervention. It's a way to, to be here now and be present and be in your body, which is a good thing. So I'm not a one of those filmmakers that wants to, you know, change your life or anything like that. But I think if that little small kernel 
of an yeah. idea happens, that's a good thing, I think. It's the experience. You have a couple of my favorite sounds in the film. What? A, a cat purring. Yeah. One of my favorite sounds. <laughs> it's a great sound. It's a great sound. Yeah. And um, also, uh, I lived in uh, the mountains for a while, and the sound of snow accumulating on uh. the branch of a tree <laughs> and then hitting the ground uh, is this it's hard to yeah it's hard to put that's into. a fascinating sound and i you know i worked with this great sound designer named mark mangini who's a huge hollywood sound designer he did dune he did mad max fury road he did star trek he's like a big powerhouse and he was so great because he's really smart about sound and so i told him mark i want to one of the sounds to be the sound of snow falling because there's a, a word in Japanese for that word for that phenomenon and we don't have a word in English and it's it's interesting and it's a beautiful sound and he was really clear that a lot of that sound like all sounds a lot of it is psychological it's not a necessarily an oral phenomenon it's also one in which you're alone it's night or it's quiet you know there's there's so much going on there so it was hard to try to recreate that in a movie, but it's a great sound, sound of snow falling. Our conversation, language, us communicating with words are, are, is a particular sound that we're oh all attuned to. So, Everybody's voice is like a universe of nuance and expression and emotion. Yeah. Fascinating. Great stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sam Green, again, the film is called 32 Sounds. It's out on Abramarama. Be looking for it. It is also going to be at the Film Forum on April 28th. And so if you're listening to our conversation, please stop by. And uh, it'll be there for a couple of weeks. So okay, you don't have okay, to go on the 28th. Yep. Great. Well, congratulations on this. I uh, look forward to more. And uh, thank you so much for spending some time with us here on Film School Radio. Thank you, Mike. It's a real pleasure. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Film School Radio.